0: Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship, with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. First Samuel, chapter two. Skip all the way down to verse twenty-seven, and notice what happens. Then a man of God. This is an I- unidentified prophet. I would call this a UTP. An unidentified traveling prophet. You might want to just write that down. Just kidding. Don't, don't write it down. <laughs> then a man of God, that is a prophet, came to Eli and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Did I not reveal myself to the house of your father? This would be a reference to Aaron, the first high priest, when they were in Egypt in bondage to Pharaoh's house. And did I not choose them from all the tribes of Israel, 28, to be my priest, to go up to my altar? to burn incense, to carry an ephod before me? and Did I not give the house of your father all the fire, fire offerings of the sons of Israel? Why do you kick or scorn at my sacrifice? Now remember, Eli is the priest in charge. His sons are doing all kinds of shenanigans and he's confronted by this prophet. He says, you kick at my sacrifice and at my offering. These are things to atone for sins which I have commanded in my dwelling or in my house, and honor your sons above me by making yourselves fat with the choicest of every offering of my people Israel. Now I want you to see one of the main uh, marks against Eli as a dad is he honored his sons above God. This came out, and we'll see this in a little more detail, in that Eli was afraid to be very direct with his sons and deal with them. He tiptoed around the issue. He spoke to them, but he never truly rebuked them, and he never truly held them accountable. He turned a blind eye as a father and God did not hold this. Well, he held his sons accountable. We'll see that in a moment. But he held the father accountable as well for not rebuking his his sons. And God's indictment is radical. He says, you've honored your sons above me. The Hebrew word for honor is kabod or kabod or kavod, has some different uh, spellings. And it means that which is weighty. When you... When something is weighty, you say it, it's heavy. We, we heard that, what is that, in the 70s? It's heavy, man. Heavy, man. Right? Well, when something's heavy, we mean that's something deep, that's, that has weight, that has substance, right? Well, that's the Hebrew word here. And whatever is weighty is what you give the most value to. And God says, you valued your sons who are worthless above me. You put more weight on what they thought than you did on what I think and you're my high priest. And look, life, in, in terms of leadership, I said one of the important things is to know God. That sounds elementary. But another thing a good leader does is he puts more weight on what God says honors him than what other people think. There's where most of our leaders go wrong because they do everything by polls. Well, what's, well where, which way is the wind blowing? What do you think? And everything's a pole. And however the people are thinking, that's what I believe now. So if it's popular to be a Christian, now I'm a Christian. If it's popular to, to uh, stand up for uh, whatever uh, sexual things people are doing these days, then that's what I believe now. And people blow with the wind. They honor man's opinion above God's. That's what Jesus said about the religious leaders of his time. You elevate man's tradition above the word of God. Do you want to be a good leader? Decide on what hills you will die on and stay there and plant your flag there. Because look, the culture is going to blow around. You know that, right? Your friends are going to change their opinions. Things are going to go up and down. But the word of God does not change. Jesus says, the words of the the Father, the words of the Bible, are going to endure forever. The world may pass away, but His words will, what? Never pass away. You want to be linked to something that's solid? Are you tired of floating around and having no firm foundation? Then do what God says. It doesn't change. His word is always right. It may not always be the popular opinion. But it's always right, and that's where Eli went wrong. I mean, after all, look—we want to have a good relationship with our children. But Eli knew that his sons were doing horrible things, and he didn't really stand up. He said, "You guys, you're uh, in this. In essence, your sons are, are abusing the offering." Verse thirty. Therefore, the Lord God of Israel declares, "I didn't in- indeed say that your house and the house of your father." should walk before me forever. He's still referring to the priestly line. But now the Lord declares, far be it from me, for those who honor me, Bible students, this is one of my life verses. I would highly encourage you to remember this verse. Those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me will be lightly esteemed. That's from the New American Standard. Those who honor me, I will honor. You want to stand on the promise tonight? You honor God, and He will honor you. That's it. You can take that one to the bank. You honor Him, and He will honor you. That is a life verse for me. Make it your own. Behold, the days are coming, 31, when I will break your strength and the strength of your father's house. So that there will not be an old man in your house. Now Eli is old and he's going he's to be really old when something terrible happens to him. And you will see the distress of my dwelling. The ark is going to be taken a little later in, our, uh, in this particular book. In spite of all that, uh, in spite of all that I do good for Israel and an old man will not be in your house forever. This applies not to the Aaronic line, the high priestly line, but more specifically to Eli's family. Yet I will not cut off every man of yours from my altar. We're going to meet Ethar later and we'll see what happens to him. He's like the great-great-grandson of uh, Eli. That your eyes may fail from weeping and your soul grieve. And that all the increase of your house will die, notice this, in the prime of life. And then this terrible judgment. And this will be the sign to you which shall come concerning your two sons. Hophni and Phinehas... On the same day, both of them shall die. Wow. But I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who will do according to what is in my heart and in my soul. This could speak of Samuel. It could speak of Zadok. For Zadok's family will step in where Eli's family is taken out. It could also speak of the ultimate high priest who is Jesus himself, who will always do God's heart. And I will build him an enduring house and he will walk before my anointed always. In Jesus we see the high priest, the anointed one, the king, all in one person. And it shall come about that everyone who is left in your house shall come and bow down to him for a piece of uh, silver or a loaf of bread and say, please assign me to one of the priest's offices so that I may eat a piece of bread. The, The irony here is Hophni and Phinehas gorged, and they filled themselves up with that which belonged to the Lord. And now the punishment fits the crime. God's going to make them poor and hungry. This is normally what you're going to see in God's judgments. He He's going to deal out judgment, and He's going to say, "Okay, you you did this in your in your uh, abuse. Now you're going to get it back." Psalm 12:1 and 2 says, "Praise the Lord." How blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. You want your family to be blessed. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, greatly delights in his commandments, and passes it on to his family. Now, we're going to go back to verse 13 and we're going to see some of the things that Hophni and Phinehas were up to. Verse 13, and the custom, this word actually connects to a root word meaning justice of the priests with the people. When any man was offering a sacrifice, the priest's servant would come while the meat was boiling with a three-pronged fork in his hand. 2.14. Then he would thrust it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot, all that the fork brought up the priest would take for himself. This sounds like some of your family holiday deals, uh, meals, doesn't it? I had a friend back in <laughs> back in high school, and we would go down surfing in Mexico. They had a house near the blowhole at Labu Fedora. And uh, I remember we were sitting at the breakfast table, and his sister was a pretty big eater. And... Uh, there was like one sausage link left on the table and everybody was eyeing one another and all of a sudden the fork went up and bam, man, she was quick. Sausage link went, some of you who grew up with multiple siblings know what I'm talking about. (laughs) My son tells a story. He said he was at somebody's house and he was trying to be polite. And you know how you teach your kids that if there's one piece of something left, you tell them, you know, ask anybody else if they want it And then help yourself. So he said, Does anybody want this last piece of pizza? And the kid who was there goes, Yeah, I do. And he took the piece of pizza. That's not the way it's supposed to work. That's just an obligatory thing. You know, you don't really mean that. When you say to somebody, Do you want that last piece? That's not what you really mean. That's just a way to rubber stamp the fact that you're gonna take the last brownie. He said, Dad, it was terrible. It blew up on me. (laughs) Well, son, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Well, apparently they had some junior priest in there, and before the time was right, he's coming by with that fork, and he was grabbing whatever he could for these guys. Then he would thrust it into the pan or the kettle or the cauldron or the pot, Fourteen. All that the fork brought up, the priest would take for himself. What makes a bad leader? It's all about him. Thus they did in Shiloh to all the Israelites who came there. These guys had a reputation. Also before they burned the fat, which belonged to the Lord. You can look at Leviticus 7.34. The, the priest servant would come and say to the man who was sacrificing, Give the priest meat for roasting as he will not take boiled meat from you, only raw. Wow. And if the man said to him, they must surely burn the fat first. So here you have, here's the picture. A worshiper comes up to the area. He wants to make a sacrifice. And he's, he's trying to do everything according to the word of God. But this junior priest, apparently a hitman for Hophni and Phinehas, comes up and he's trying to take the meat before things are done. And the worshiper already knows that the fat belongs to the Lord and you've got to first go ahead and burn that and it becomes a sweet smelling aroma to the Lord. And after that's done, then the priest has the right to the breast and the right thigh. That's the details in Leviticus and other Old Testament books. But this guy wouldn't allow that to occur. He said, now, you know when you've just, and we see this all the time, it's what I want when I want it. No, we're not waiting here. And they were, they were throwing around their power everywhere. They were in a position where they were supposed to minister to the Lord. But get this, the fat belonged to the Lord. It was supposed to be the sweet-smelling aroma unto God. And you know what they were doing? They were taking the Lord's portion for themselves. And I know that never happens in religious contexts. That's a joke. I mean, look, people faithfully give to ministries all the time, and that becomes the Lord's money, by the way. The moment that you write that check to Living Truth, that's God's money. And we become accountable under Almighty God to distribute that money in keeping with the mission of the ministry. And if somebody's sitting there, and they're pilfering, if you will, and taking what they want without any accountability, now you've got problems. Now you're sinning directly against God because that belongs to him. Well, that's what they were doing. The, you, know, you, you know you have a problem when the churchgoer is trying to correct the leader. Now look, the, every leader is human, so it, do, it, it doesn't mean that someone who's a worshiper can't come up and point out something and even correct this on something. That's not what I mean. But day after day, here's what was happening. The worshipers were going, what? in the world's going on here this is not the way things are supposed to be and the stories began to spread about Hophni and Phinehas and they were coming back to the ears of Eli and it was give it to me now and it had gotten so bad that they would say end of 16 no you shall give it to me now and if not uh, there's going to be a couple guys that are to visit your house later They're known as the three wise guys. They'll be dressed in black. (laughs) I mean these guys were threatening the people trying to do it God's way and saying, Oh, and by the way, if you don't give it to me, see this fork? I'm not going to use this on the on the meat anymore. This is for you. People were going, okay, sheesh. And it was getting ugly. People were being exploited, people were being abused. And thus the sin of the young men, 17, was very great before the Lord. Notice how this section ends. For the men, Hophni and Phineas, despised the offering of the Lord. It didn't matter to them. All, all they were in it for was themselves. All that the offering meant to them was, I can get what I want. Isn't this a great racket? They didn't even know God. But religion was certainly doing them well. They had all kinds of wonderful meals. They had all kinds of power. They, all, they were abusing that power. They were taking what belonged to the Lord. It was a frenzy of gluttony. They would take, literally, the languages, they would take it into themselves. And by contrast, Samuel was ministering to the Lord. Look at verse 18. Now, Samuel, the contrast to Eli. Uh, excuse me, to Eli's sons, which are Hophni and Phinehas. Now Samuel was ministering before the Lord as a boy. He was wearing a linen ephod. Now the linen ephod is a sleeveless garment that the priests would wear and it would kind of go over their shoulders and it could go down very low on their body. But this is to be distinguished from the ephod that was worn exclusively by the high priest because that ephod went over, and we, I've shown you pictures of that before, and then they would, they would tie the gemstones, um, the, which was often known as the Urim and the Thummim, um, to the chest of the high priest, and they would have the 12 gemstones representing what? The 12 tribes of Israel. And that would tie to the high priest's um, uh, shoulders, and it would, it would be right in front of his chest, near to his heart. And the picture was the 12 tribes are near to God's heart. But that's not what uh, Samuel has here because he's obviously not the high priest. So he's wearing an ephod. Even David in 2 Samuel 6.14 is wearing an ephod as he dances before the Lord. That's 2 Samuel 6.14. So it's some sort of garment for praising the Lord uh, normally worn by a priest. Now notice what happens. And his mother would make him a little robe. 19... And bring it to him from year to year when she would come up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. And one thing that we noted about Elkanah and his wife Hannah was that they would come year after year, maybe for the Passover to Shiloh. They were very faithful. Now that they've left uh, little Samuel there to minister, they go back home to Ramah and they would come back at least once a year. And can you imagine? What that had to be like for this mom, for for Hannah, and apparently all year long while she waited for this trip, she would make she would work on this little robe. Now this is resonating with some of the ladies. You know, oh yeah. How many of you sew or crochet? How many of you do underwater crocheting? How many guys want to admit that you sew? Actually, I know some guys that sew and. Yeah, and you know, they're in touch with their masculinity. It's all right, so. And his mother would, she would make him a little robe, kind of a little priestly robe, and she'd bring it to him. And you all know how kids grow. I mean, if you haven't seen that kid for a year, you had to be able to estimate up, right? I mean, I have to buy new shoes for my kids like every two months cuz they just they're growing and then they blow through shoes and that's just how it is. Well, notice the tender love that Hannah has for her son. She'd bring this little robe and she'd have some sort of reunion with him and she worked on this and she would give it and I'm sure it was I'm sure her heart of love was just poured into every stitch. 20. And before I move on, I know some of you have some precious things that um, grandmas and moms have given you that they made with their own hands. Those are really precious gifts to just think about the love that was woven into that. Then Eli would bless Alkanah. So Eli is extending a blessing to him and his wife Hannah and say, May the Lord give you children from this woman in place of the one she dedicated to the Lord. And they went to their own home. Now, Eli's not all bad. I mean, he's obviously a gracious guy. And he's he's prayed a blessing. And he had prayed for them before. He had extended a blessing to them before. And now he says, okay, you've dedicated this child. Now I pray that God will give you back much more. One writer says, they gave one to God and received five more without losing the first. He gave her back far more than she had given him. He says, God still works in the same way for those who love him and seek to live according to his plan and purpose. And the Lord 21 visited Hannah and she conceived and gave birth to three sons and two daughters. And the boy Samuel grew before the Lord. You know, sometimes we are hesitant to give God our first fruits because we can tend to hold on to things, but... The spiritual principle is this. If you're willing to give of your best to God, He's going to give you much more than you gave. As a matter of fact, He'll bless you with the knowledge that what you gave to Him is being blessed and used and He's going to give you many times over. He's going to bless you with a blessing that you cannot contain. And now, the woman that was once barren, guess what she's got now? A big family! And do you think she just... Just took a moment to talk to Panina about it. Remember Panina the pain? Remember Panina, the one who could have the babies and every year at the festival, (laughs) I can have the babies, you can have the babies. Well now it's over. Now Hannah's able to say, you know what? In your face, Panina. Huh? It's always nice when you can rejoice (laughs) in the Lord's blessing. I would highly recommend that you use that. I'm just kidding. (laughs) So now she's got this full and blessed family. The woman whose name means grace, who was once barren and broken, is now truly full. I'll tell you what that's me. Maybe that's you. You can look back on a barrenness of life, emptiness, without the Lord searching, wondering what your life was about. And she who was once barren and broken is now full. I mean, how many times did she have to step back and just say, Lord, you're just so good. Look what you've done for me. I've got little kids running everywhere. I've got a kid who's the, the, the next priest and judge for Israel and you are going to make him a kingmaker. You have blessed me. Look, we've got to stop sometimes because I know we can go down our negative list a lot, but we've got to stop sometimes and say, just take some inventory. Lord, look what you have done in my life. Look at the blessings that I had. Where once there was nothing. When maybe I I wondered if there would ever be a family or if there would ever be these kinds of blessings. And now look what you've done in my life. Yeah, there were tough years. Yeah, it was difficult. But you got me through it. Now, Eli, 22, was very old. And he heard all that his sons were doing to all Israel. And how... Now we get a little bit more detail. And how they lay with the women who served, get this, at the doorway of the tent of meeting. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at LivingTruthCorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at LivingTruthRadio.org. For Hophni and Phinehas, they just didn't know the Lord and it doesn't seem like they cared to know the Lord. And so that came out in what they did. And Samuel, of course, is going to be the direct contrast to Hophni and Phinehas. Samuel is growing up in this area, and he will become the voice of his generation, and he will be committed to God, and he will learn to follow God. And Hophni and Phinehas, though they had positions that should have been treated with respect and honor, they didn't treat them with holiness and respect. And a price was paid for that. And It's a very sad price that was paid. You know, um, if if you uh, look down to verse 25 of that chapter, some incredible words from Eli. He says, if one man sins against another, God will mediate for him. But if a man sins sins against the Lord, who can intercede for him? But they would not listen to the voice of their father. And it says, for the Lord desired to put them to death. This story, as the book of Samuel goes on, is going to end very poorly for these two uh, sons. And even for Eli, it's not going to end well. And it it is a warning, I think, for those of us who, you know, are around the things of God. And of course, you know, we are, if you're a Christian, you're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You're saved. Um, God's grace has been poured upon your life. But there's still a warning here, and, and I think first and foremost, true to the context, is this is a warning about people who are phonies, people who are hypocrites, people who are in positions in the church but don't know the Lord of the church. It seems weird, ironic, but that does exist. And if you're a person that's listening right now, and you know, I've even heard stories of pastors who were preaching in the pulpit and got saved while they were preaching, <laughs> You know, God can do anything. But if we mock the things that are holy, if we're a phony, if we're a true mask wearer, a hypocrite, a hypokritas from the Greek, if we're just playing the role, that can be a dangerous thing. I think it's important on a second level for Christians always to say, Lord, I don't want to ever trifle with holy things, so please search my heart. Make me be true. There's no perfect man or woman that's ever going to be used for any platform in ministry because there are no perfect men or women. But we are being sanctified. And uh, the more we are sanctified, the more we spend time in relationship with the Lord, the more usable we will be.